Good morning, my name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We are glad that you have chosen to join us today through this time of uh, live streaming. We have a congregation here also, and we want to say, first of all, Happy Mother's Day. to All the mothers out there who are watching here in the congregation also, we're glad that you've chosen to take your time out of your day to hear and come together and obviously hear the Word of God. And I pray today that God's Word would speak to you, would touch your heart, and that you would be changed. That, Lord, we would take take that word and that the seed of the word of God would fall upon good soil and it would bring forth, obviously, exactly what you desire, Father. Because we believe, as we said earlier, that you're up to great things. So, whatever the need is today, Jesus is the answer. Run to the arms of the Father. He will supply every need. He will take care of you. Whatever that may be, don't get distracted by the things of this world but actually run to the Lord Jesus Christ because he's always willing. Sometimes I wonder, hey, you know, Lord, I've kind of failed you here and there. But you know what? When you come and you run to the Father instead of running away from the Father, the Father accepts us and the Father forgives us. And so if something's on your heart this morning, I want to encourage you to just run to the Father. His arms are open wide and he wants to forgive you. He wants to restore you. He wants to build you up in the faith. And I believe today that's a great thing that obviously is happening in uh, the body of Christ, obviously, in the, and beyond. We pray for revival. We pray that God will awaken your heart to the reality of the holiness of God, of who he is, that he wants a relationship with us and that he is good. He's good all the time. So we're going to start with reading Second Timothy, chapter one, verses one through seven. Anybody like to stand or sit? And you can read with me if you'd like. Uh, that does not uh, in any way bother me. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind or self-discipline. Amen. Yes, indeed. Faith is so wonderful, you know. I'm glad that my parents raised me in the church. My brother and I, we would go and... and um, they were faithful to take us. At that time, you know, we were little guys and we'd wear our little coats and ties, you know, and we'd get ready and, and all that. And I didn't remember the hustle and bustle before we went to church and all, but I'm sure there was because obviously we were both rascals and we obviously sometimes kind of resisted in what mom and dad wanted. But we went and we obviously got a foundation in the Lord because of their faithfulness. But I can remember one uh, Sunday school teacher that uh, when I got up into my teen years and so forth, and, and we had about six or seven guys in there, and man, they were obviously wild and woolly. 
And uh, I know even to this day, that man's gone on to be with the Lord. But I, I sometimes after I grew up, after I got older, I wanted to go back to him and say, thank you for your faithfulness, because we gave you a fit when we were in there and he tolerated us and he never, ever obviously assuaged from what God had called him to do. And, uh, you know, the faithfulness of people that uh, do things all the time like that. I, I just thank the Lord that they did not waver in what they were called to do. And the same way with the mother today. Mothers give of themselves to their husbands, obviously, to conceive, have the baby and all and so forth. I don't know about you men here today, but I'm glad that God didn't choose me or men to carry a baby for nine months. How many are, how many know that? OK, I, I couldn't do it. In fact, we we are the weakest partner there. All right. The women are very strong. They carry that baby in their womb and all that. And and obviously they have to get up in the middle of the night and and all and so forth. And what does the husband do? You know, when she says, honey, I, I need this and that and all that. And you punch her and so forth. And then you roll back over and go back to sleep. OK, my role, I think, is just going back to sleep. But mothers, they get up. They would get up after the baby was born. They would get up, nurse the baby or give the milk or whatever was needed. And they did that consistently. We're sitting here today to be able to say thank you, Lord, for mothers. Because obviously, I believe they were, you know, the old expression, jack of all trades. That's where they were. They were jack of all trades. They could do anything. And I, I just felt like my mother really was a superwoman. How about y'all? You know, and she did things that, that I never even thought that uh, I could even imagine doing. She had a pain tolerance that I didn't have. I saw and looked at her over her life. And things that she did, obviously, I saw. And I remember that today. And I bet you do also. And some of us, sometimes we say, well, my mother wasn't perfect and neither was mine. We know that. But certainly we know you came into this world. And obviously there was a, a, a real <clears throat> gift that you were as you came into this world and you weren't an accident. When pregnancy takes place, it's not an accident. It's by the will of God. And so that child is very important and knowing, and obviously there as the parents come together to raise you and to be able to pour their lives into you. The mother's obviously there. They give them themselves and obviously the thankless jobs that they do. Nobody really thanks them necessarily. They do it anyway. Day in and day out here. They teach, they nurture, and they train their children here. And yes, mothers are givers by nature. But I want to talk about the day. I think the greatest gift that a mother can give their child. Now, you think, well, Jim, this is a Mother's Day sermon. So as the men here, don't go to sleep because I'm going to be talking to y'all also. This is for everybody today. Because when we talk about the Word of God, it's not just one particular gender. It's for everyone. And this is for everyone in this place today. The greatest gift that a mother can give to their child is their faith. They pass their faith down, don't they? I want to say right up front also is that we don't always do it perfectly, do we? We know that. But we have, we strive, our heart, the bent of our heart is to pass our faith down to our children. And then we bungle it sometimes and sometimes we sort of drift away from that. But the greatest thing we can give, because you see, our faith really will last forever in that sense. The temporary things of this world that, that sometimes draw our attention and sort of like, uh, you know, they seem to bring satisfaction. We find out they're not satisfying at all. But our relationship with Jesus Christ is will last throughout eternity here. I always remember as doing hospice over the many years and the hundreds of funerals that I did. I did, I did a lot of weddings, but not as many as the funerals. And I did the funerals and so forth. I remember 
that people would put things in the casket and so forth. Some people things that were precious to them. And that is very, it's a part of the grief. And it certainly is honorable in that sense and so forth. But in reality, we can't take anything material nature to, into heaven, can we? The only thing we can take is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's most important. And so that's why David, when he wrote the one thing, the one thing that's most important to me, and that's Psalm 27.4 says that I, I dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and that I would gaze upon his beauty. That was the one thing. Now, King David had a lot of stuff and he was a mighty warrior, certainly. God had blessed him. He was a man after God's own heart, but yet he had one thing in mind and that was obviously that his faith would be strengthened in, in the Lord. So we need to keep that. So this is what it's talking about today. And obviously Eunice passed on her faith to her son, Timothy. If you know a little bit of history about Timothy, he was a young pastor, actually. And the Apostle Paul was trying to help him along because Timothy at that time was a pastor of one of the largest, if not the largest church in that area of Asia Minor at that time, the church at Ephesus. And he was obviously it was a growing church, but it was a persecuted church. They lived in a land where there were idols all the way around and there was idol worship and all types of demonic things going on around them. And yet Timothy was put in this position as a pastor and he struggled. In fact, many times as you read the history of that, that uh, their leadership, his leadership, actually left the church because the persecution got, the persecution got so, so bad, they left and abandoned Timothy. So Timothy had to have something, a core value, a core faith down deep to where he didn't waver when times got tough. And I believe it was because his, obviously his mother and his grandmother that actually imparted that to his life. They had to obviously consciously make a decision to actually put that in their faith. You see, the beginning of what we do most of the time takes a real commitment, right? It takes a commitment to actually step out in faith and say, this is what I'm going to do. And I put this as a priority in my life. And that's true for any decision that you make, I believe, of any importance. And so the, his mother and his grandmother actually made that commitment here. And he talks about it, uh, that his father was really not involved. Because in Acts chapter 16, it talks about the fact that his father was a Greek. And in obviously the Greek language, it meant that he was not a believer. And so many times in families, we know that there's one believer and there's not other. So a lot of times we see that today. And we see today a lot of times that the husband does not come to church with the wife. The wife, a lot of times I've seen that they appear to be a little bit more on the bent towards the spiritual side and so forth. And the husband doesn't come and so forth. But in this case, Timothy's father did not come, did not help support him. I'm sure that Timothy's father actually imparted some real values and morals into his life. But you see, he couldn't help his wife with imparting the faith issue because he didn't have faith. But yet, in, in spite of all of that, we see that obviously Timothy had great faith and it was passed down from his mother and his grandmother. I'm sure others were praying also here. So obviously uh, that Timothy's father was a Greek uh, pagan. And did not know the Lord at all here. But we see here, Paul had his eye on Timothy. Somehow by divine appointment. And God sets us up sometimes, doesn't he? And somehow, Paul, the Apostle Paul, obviously, uh, wrote most of the New Testament. Obviously, he had an encounter with the, with the Lord on the road to Damascus. And it changed his, his, uh, his way of life, changed his direction in life and so forth. And Paul saw something in Timothy's life. So 
And he actually called him forth there in verse three. Paul wanted to take him, Timothy, along with him on the journey, on the missionary journeys that he went on. Paul saw something in his life. And I guess the question is today, do other people see the Lord in our lives? Do other people recognize there's something different about our life? Are we going the way of the world? Are we going to actually, there's a difference in our life versus the way the world walks? And I guess that's what I want people to see. Not to be boasting in it, because I only boast in the Lord, but that people would see Jesus in me. And you know what? People are watching your life more than what you realize. I can remember years ago, and certain things stick out in your mind, and, and experiences that you had. And I was over living in Pearland at the time, and I was working in manufacturing, and I had not gone into ministry. There was a move right after that for me to change course in my life and uh, go into ministry. I was working in manufacturing, working my way up the corporate ladder, making big money and doing all this stuff. Had a lot of men working under me and so forth. And uh, I remember a lady, one of my right-hand women, she, lady, she uh, lived in Dickinson. Her name was Linda. And she was observing my life. And, and uh, one day she came up to me and she said, is the Lord dealing in your life? And I said, yes, he is. How'd you know? She goes, I, I just, there's something going on here. I said, is he speaking? speaking to you also and he said yeah she goes I noticed that I saw that and you see I didn't have any idea that she was watching me in that sense and we have no idea if someone is watching us and so we see here that not only did in this in in Timothy's life that yes he obviously I'm sure was studied as far as the word of God was concerned but obviously his mother and grandmother imparted values and morals into his life that I'm telling you today, very importantly. Because sometimes we know that we don't always have a structured time of study and prayer, certainly, and that's important. But what are we doing along the way, along life's journey? Are we, obviously, imparting those values and morals that are very important And today? You see, today, things are changing because when people are busy, a lot of times both parents are working and and all, and they're just busy, and we're distracted. A lot of things are going on. But you know, during this time, again, they were distracted also. But we have to have that as a priority. In this case, that he, we know that Timothy's mother and grandmother, that was a priority to them. And so uh, they did that, and they did that in a wonderful way. And so today I want to talk about it with six words. It's for everybody. It's for mothers, yes, but it's for everybody here. I believe it's very important. And the first word is is obviously preparing Young Timothy is the word principle, principle here. Children need instruction. I'm not talking again about necessarily the structured time, although we need that. But they need to obviously see we live by principles. We live by obviously certainties. We, we live by foundational truths in our lives. And something comes out. I want to tell you, it will come out and people will see it if you live by it. People see a difference in your life. But if you respond the way the world responds, in the same way, obviously, we look no different than the world, right? If we get afraid when something goes on or maybe the finances are not like what they should be, and I don't minimize this, don't get me wrong. But if we get afraid here, believing that God can't take care of us, and we project that image to people out in the world, they look and say, hey, they're afraid of everything just like I am. I don't need that, obviously. There's no difference in their lives. We need to see a difference in our life. So they've got to live by, by principles here, obviously. 
Very important. And maybe, for example, we'll read these things. What does the Bible say about handling money here, obviously? What does the Bible say about sex and morality? You know, there's a Barner, George Barner, does a lot of surveys and polls in the Christian community. And actually in that, right not too long ago, he found that most, a lot of the Christians, young Christians, young people between a certain age and younger in life and all believe that living together before marriage is perfectly okay. That they have done that. Most of them will say, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with this. Nothing wrong with that. And they don't have that foundational truth that obviously we know the Bible puts out there. That obviously sex is to be obviously within the confines of the, of the marriage. And so they don't. And so we've allowed these things to happen. And it's a slippery slope downward when we begin to neglect our principles. Things that are very important in our lives. God says that obviously we find joy in him. We find satisfaction in him. You'll find out he's a lot more satisfying than sometimes the temporary pleasures of sin, don't we? We've learned that because every time in those temporary pleasures of sin, there are consequences. And yet we sometimes, again, it's because we have varied from those foundational principles here. And what does the Bible say about our bodies as being the temple of the Holy Spirit? You know? I don't know everybody looking at me like this and say, Jim, yeah, but I know I've eaten out with you before. Okay? I know y'all are thinking that. I know I'm trying to obviously keep eat healthy and, and keep my weight under control. I understand that and so forth. And, and I'm not neglecting that, obviously. I love to eat, trust me, I do. Love to eat like just anybody. I love all types of things. But what does he say? That the, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What's that say? How do you teach a child that? You know? And a lot of things I could go into, obviously, as examples of that, but I won't here. But we obviously hear, what does it say about friends and companions? What does it say about people? Uh, places you go there, and also respect for authority. I believe why we've got a lot of problems today is because there's a lack of respect for authority. I remember when I was like 17 or whatever I was driving. We, I drove, started driving when I was about 12. But I remember driving and I remember I was driving. I had several guys in the car with me and we were, we saw the policeman coming towards us. And so we all, we, we weren't making any noise and everything. We piped down and went by him and he pulled around and pulled me and so forth. And I said, yes, sir. Uh, it, he said, I said, Do you, you pulled me. And I was scared to death. I was scared to death. I probably was just shaking because I'd been pulled because, you know, I didn't know what he was going to do and so forth. There was a respect for authority. I respected my parents. I respect other people. I say, yes, sir. And no, sir. And yes, ma'am. And no, ma'am. Most time I say, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. OK, very few no's in there. But it shows not that I say you've got to do it this way, but there has to be an attitude of respect in your heart. Are we teaching that? Because see, a lot of things obviously are caught and not necessarily taught, but it could be both. But it's, they look, they watch you. Your children watch you. Your grandchildren watch you. People watch you today. And this is why we see a Timothy actually was one that obviously, evidently there was something great going on there in his life and how he was raised. I love this because this is one I pray over babies that are dedicated to the Lord, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and thou shalt love the Lord your God with all thine heart and all their soul and all your might, 
And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart and you shall teach them diligently unto your children and shall talk to them when they uh, sit down in your house and when they walk by the way and when they lay down and when uh, they rise up. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand. And they shall be as obviously in front of and in between your eyes at all times. In other words, that truth is out there in front at all times in teaching because we have that today. And we only have them for a short time, don't we? Now, I believe after they're grown that we should not stop praying for them. I pray for my daughter, my, my, my family. I pray for my grandson. And I know you do also. And your prayers are very, very valuable. Don't ever stop praying. But I'm talking about today some things that are foundational as we walk this walk as God has called me to. Obviously, uh, the structured instruction of Scripture obviously should, should be there. Both master teachers and the daily instruction and application of the truth in everyday affairs. I can remember my mother. She was a real, I mean... You know, mom was mom and she was as human as day as long, because obviously if uh, I remember uh, I said something back to her one day and we had those old washing machines. Remember with the agitator in there? Remember that? And you take those rollers. You remember, don't you, Maria? You remember? And the rollers and you put your clothes through there. And now you throw them in an automatic washing machine dryer, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, because some of you are telling your age right now, but I'm not going to call you out about that. But you would do that. And I remember I was in there with mom and I said something to her. And I believe that definitely was not respectful of her. And she hauled off and knocked me. And I can remember I landed on that old washing machine. And I went, my land, okay? I, I, I didn't know she had it in her. But it was like, don't you talk to me like that boy. And I, and I knew, and I respected her, loved her, loved her. This, this day, she taught me those things. Very, very important in our lives. Amen. So, obviously, um, you got to make, obviously, the Word of God very important. Obviously, uh, some of, uh, again, of your husband's not involved necessarily, taking the role there and, and so forth. So it makes it harder, but it can work out. And God can obviously use that mom and dad, if whichever way it goes now. But they get single parent in there because a lot of single parents today, we bless them and we pray for them and we pray God would bless them with wisdom that goes way beyond their ability. Amen. But I remember there, I was in uh, Quito, Ecuador. And I was teaching a group of young people there. And I had Andrea, our friend, pastor's daughter there. And she was translating for me. I remember most of them can speak English and Spanish too. So I was able to share about, you know, they were talking about authority. The pastor and his wife said, can you talk and teach on authority? And I said, yeah, and I did. Big group of young people there. And I remember this, one of the uh, worship team uh, guys, his name is Pablo. And he asked, he said, Jim, he said, uh, my father does not come to church. And I said, I know. And I knew Pablo. And um, he said this. He said, and my father has told me not to come to church and that I was to stop reading the Bible. He said, what do I say to him? Well, you know, kids can always really stretch you as far as trying to answer the right thing. And I looked at Andrea and I said, hey, help me out here. Exactly. And yet, I when I talked to Pablo, I said, you know what you've got to do right now? He was about 18, 19, 20 years old. He's still living under his father's roof. And I said, you have to follow God. And it's not being disrespectful on that. Sit down with you, Dad, and talk to him. And obviously, explain to him what you're doing. That you, but you've got to follow God. You can't give that up. You're on the worship team. 
and you're obviously sharing your faith with other people. And so that's e- it's not easy. It's not easy. And being able to navigate through the waters where obviously they're barracudas on both sides, aren't they? And you've got to nav- navigate through there every day, obviously. You know, and then we've all got idiosyncrasies. Anybody have an idiosyncrasy statement that your parent made that sticks in your mind? You know, remember, you know, remember different things just stick in your mind and all that. Mine, I'll tell you what mine said one time. And she said a lot of things. I won't share but one with you. And basically she said that person must have more problems than Carter's got pills. Now, you young people don't know what I'm talking about. But Carter's liver pills were real tiny, and it was like a bottle full of them, okay? She meant they've got a lot of problems. I remember that. I mean, isn't that silly in that sense? But I remember. So, so things you don't think you will remember, you will remember as God touches your life. The second thing here that I want to look at, consider, is actually pattern. A pattern, you think about it. A pattern here. The idiosyncrasies fall into three categories. Good, neutral, bad. They're real there. And then if your parents were negative, then probably a lot of it, you could have a critical spirit. They pass those things down to us, don't they? And we know that obviously we need to be careful with that and we can be delivered of that. Some parents were fearful and then that's passed on to their children, obviously, and we know that. There are those uh, genetic ties, there are generational things that are passed down from one generation to the other. And uh, we're learning to deal with that even more. But I believe that if you if you live with a parent that was afraid, there's a good chance you're going to be afraid also. You've picked up on that certainly here, the problems. And then there's the true positive things too. The positive things there, if they were disciplined in their lives, then more than likely they'll be, you'll be disciplined. Uh, you'll have discipline in your life also. If they actually took people into their homes and, and did that, Maria's mother take, did that for years. For many, many kids, didn't she, Maria? And, and all, and then you'll do it. You'll follow that suit. You see that and, and all. Many of you do that and so forth. Uh, it, it's a real gift that the mother gives to do that because they see those positive things of loving people and just loving everybody, bringing them in. And, and obviously, like we've always said, I love to visit with people that the, the family said, hey, he would give you the shirt off his back. He'd do anything for you, wouldn't he? You, you know, people like that Or my mom. She would do anything. For you, my mother. Uh, I remember one thing on my mother that my uh, she was in from a large family, about thirteen kids, and uh, a lot of his her siblings actually passed away early because of cancer. They didn't have the treatment like they they do now and so forth. But I remember my uncle, her brother, was an alcoholic, and uh, he lived on the farm. And uh, after they got the crops in, he would get obviously a lot of money that would have to last him. Till the, the next year after the crops would be in at that particular year. And somehow before he started drinking, because what would happen when the crops were finished, he'd have the money and he would start drinking. And my mother started talk to him and, and so forth. And she got his money and she got all his money, knowing that if somebody didn't take it and somebody didn't keep it from him, he would drink every bit of it up. And I remember to this day, we had old chest of drawers in, my, in their bedroom and Mama took put that money up there in that, uh, in that chest of drawers there. And I remember after they got through that time where my uncle had a bent towards drinking, my mom took the money back to him and gave him the money. You see, these things you never forget as a child. And how that made an impression on me or maybe something you saw in your parents' life and mom's life that maybe right to this day, you wonder, you know, why am I this way? 
you need to maybe look and say how your mother was. Now, again, mothers are not perfect. We know that. We need Jesus. But we know there are things that happen in our lives that last and remain. And then what happens? You pass it on to your children. You pass the things on to you and so forth. So a parent never says, now today I'm going to teach you how to handle stress necessarily or turn your Bible to Proverbs and let's see what it says about gossip necessarily. Or today we'll examine six biblical principles of finances and so forth. It's got to be obviously caught a lot of times instead of taught. Nothing wrong with teaching, but it's got to be taught. They see your example. You know, they see that you're walking to walk instead of just talking to talk. I get up here all day long and go out here and do the exact opposite of what I've taught here. But every time I speak, it always I'm speaking to myself. Trust me, it's always a learning. I have not arrived yet. I'm growing in Christ today. That's where we're at. We're all together and we're growing and God is growing us up. And I love that. But God is saying today, we've got to obviously these things that are caught from our families are very important. Obviously, she never said it. Now today, you learn to have how to have bad habits. They never said that, did they? Oh, I, I want to teach you how to be un, unorganized or undisciplined or or waste most of your time on Facebook. They never teach us those things, right? And so forth. But obviously, they teach us the things that are important, the things that are there. And so often we go, well, I didn't really uh, do it perfectly, and our parents didn't do it perfectly. No, but somehow by God's grace. We glean from that those things that God has taught through us. Our faith is passed down, even when, again, that when we don't realize it, we think, oh, man, I didn't do it right. And so forth. I bet we did a lot more than what you realize. And by the grace of God, we are who we are. Amen. And God does that through us every, all the time. Obviously, uh, remember there. Uh, Eve rebelled against God and her son Cain rebelled against God. Also, remember, Rebecca. Jacob's mother, she deceived her husband and also her oldest son Esau. And Jacob followed right in his in her footsteps with deceit his whole life there. But on the positive side, Jochebed, the mother of Moses, remember, had the courage to put, him, put Moses in the wicker basket and put him there on the Nile River and so forth. She had courage. And remember what happened is Moses wound up in the palace. Moses wound up there being actually raised by Pharaoh's family. Amen. And see, when we're faithful, we say, Lord, I want to do your will. Lord, I know I'm not doing it all perfect, but I want to do your will. This is where we're headed today. And I'm not going to vary from that because there's a pattern in my life that I believe is very important in my life and the life of the way I live my life. And obviously the way I do it, I live it now perfectly. No, I don't. God has to correct me here. Remember uh, Hannah? Samuel's mother was known for her prayer life and Samuel recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 12 verse 23 here he said this God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you by the way we were just singing uh, uh, talking about prayer you know Paul said I never fail to mention you in my prayers I want to encourage you today because sometimes we think we've got to have a whole a whole litany of things and so forth when we pray for somebody Paul said I mentioned you in my prayers we can mention people amen we don't know what God's going to do, but we can mention them in prayers. I call them by name and I mention them in prayers. And you see, God honors that and God blesses and works through those prayers. I don't have to be a great theologian or maybe kind of this person that stays in prayer for hours at a time, although those things are great and wonderful. But we mention we pray for people. We we call them before the throne of grace and ask God to touch them and bless them because God knows what to do. 
But it shows our heart's desire of compassion towards those people. And we're responding the way Jesus would respond, certainly. We see here children pick up from their parents, certainly here. The third thing is persistence. When you say no and you stick by it, they know that you mean what you say. They know that. What happens is we say no and then we get down the road and we get weak and then we say, uh-uh. You see, a personal principle here of, of persistence, actually, is that we stay and we say, uh-uh, I'm not budging. I'm not talking about being legalistic and I'm not talking about being unfair. But there's certain things we don't compromise on, church, right? There's certain things that we don't vary on. And what's happened today is the church has compromised on this and that to where, obviously, we're again not that light that God wants us to be, the light of Jesus. And so we need to obviously be persistent and stand your ground and say no. And when they see that you're going to stand and be persistent in that and, and, and what you say is they'll stand. They'll, they'll follow you. You may feel like their little feelings are hurt. And you know the old expression, is, I don't want to hurt little Johnny's feelings. Let me tell you, if they're not, if we don't discipline, then God's going to discipline, right? Because the Bible says in Hebrews 12, if we're not disciplined, then we're not children of God. We will be disciplined, not in a way. God gives grace and he does it in a certain way. Don't we know we read scripture, but he has a way of correcting us. Why? It's because we know he knows what's right. And we're all over the board in our spiritual walk. Persistent, stand firm. It will pay dividends later on. You see, sometimes there was a movement, some in the past, in the 70s, old self-esteem movement, all right? Let me tell you, my father and mother didn't know anything about self-esteem. How about y'all? Are you being raised in, hey, I don't want to hurt his little self-esteem. I'm not talking about being abusive. Don't get me wrong. I'm talking about today is correct in the right manner and stand firm in what you believe. Because what you do then, you set a pattern in persistence that somehow imparts by the Holy Spirit of God in your life that this is what we're going. This is where we're going. I'm the boss, remember? Uh, and, 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 you know, uh, I always said, this is a dictatorship, not a democracy. Amen? In the family. You're doing it my way, and you'll do it. Okay, not in a brash way or any way harmful but in a way, they don't compromise. The fourth word is participation. Participate. Talk to them. Get involved with them. Look at what they're doing. My daughter was in band, and she did very well with it. And my wife and I, we always, we go with them. And we did this. We did everything together, obviously. We did things with them. We participated in life with them and with her. And uh, it paid off, you know. Allison not, didn't always like old mom and dad tagging along. Okay, oh gosh, here they come again, and so forth. But as you look back, you see it's paid off because it imparted something. Say, I'm going to participate in life. Maybe t-ball. It may be in any way soccer. Maybe anything is do something with them. Do that with them. We're busy, right? But we've got to take, where's our priority? And we've got to do something. It's important. And moms obviously are a part of that. It's very important. The fifth word is praise. Boy, praise. I, I think I, I had to really, again, focus on that because we should be encouragers, right? There's a time for, obviously, we need to do and correction and so forth. But when they do good, praise them. When they follow the right path, when they made a right decision, praise them. Thank you. And take the time out to thank them. And to praise them. Give them praise. And you think sometimes it doesn't, nothing really takes effect in their lives. Oh, more is taking effect than what we realize. 
Moms do that, don't they? My mother, I could go. I even remember as I got older, you know, in my 20s. Mom would sit down with me and I could talk to her and tell her anything. And she never, obviously, I, I could look at her and she never, in the sense, if you call it judgment or whatever, she listened to me. And man, I was, I was a rebunctious little young man, I'll tell you right now. And yet my mother sat down with me. And I knew my mother loved me unconditionally. I knew maybe she didn't like some of my actions sometimes. But I knew there was obviously a thing in her heart that she would love her children in the same way we do, don't we? And we praise them. When they do good, praise them. Thank the Lord for them. And bless them because you can bless them. You can bless them every day. And that obviously goes further. It's not just something uh, here a pastor says. It's something you can do. You can bless them actually verbally and verbalize it. I bless you just like earlier blessing you. It's very important. Praise is very important. You know, here in the church, if we think about it, we should be encouragers. Amen. If the church is not encouragers, who's going to be encouragers? If the church is not full of the joy of the Lord, who is going to be? Obviously, people are looking for that. People are like they're dry. And if they are spiritual, they're dry spiritually. And they need to obviously have the refreshment that obviously somebody comes along beside and says, hey, God loves you. I'm going to encourage you today. I'm going to participate with God and, and your life and so forth. That's what moms do with their kids. They praise their kids. And obviously the kids, it pays off over and over again. And then obviously we see here the, four, six, the, the sixth word is that prayer. Pray for your children. For God's working in their lives. And for God's protection from temptation. Pray for yourself. Pray for wisdom. The Bible says in James chapter 1, if you ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you. Got to believe it. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom is actually putting that knowledge into play, into practice. I need wisdom every day. I don't know about y'all. Too many decisions are going on around me. And I ask for wisdom. But in that particular chapter, it talks about when you ask for wisdom, he said you can keep asking for it over and over and over and over again. And he won't withhold. In fact, he welcomes it. Pray for wisdom for your for your uh, the way you raise your children, the way you're even responding, even to your adult children today. Pray for wisdom. They're still watching you. Trust me. They're grown and so forth. It may be they've grown, but they're still watching us. They still look at our lives, no matter how old they are in life. That's the way God has ordained it. And so believe what God has using you in your children's lives. Oh, not only pray for your children yourself, but pray with them if you, if you can. But maybe they're busy and so forth, but prayer even at a distance. Intercessory prayer is very, very important here. I remember years ago, and I heard this on several occasions, and this man was in hospice. His grandmother was on a hospice situation. She was terminally ill. And I remember the man, I walked in and started talking to him, got to know him better and so forth. And he told me, he said, Jim, I haven't always walked with the Lord throughout my life. And he said, I knew better. He said, in fact, I believe there was a call to go into ministry on my life. And he said, I ignored it. And I walked away from it. But he said, you know what? I'm back. I've come back. And he was a grown man at that time. And I said, what brought you back? He said, I remember as a little boy, I would walk past my grandmother's bedroom and she would be on her knees praying for us grandchildren. And I believe her prayers brought me back to Jesus. See, there's no other way, folks. He told me other, one other thing, kind of comical. He said, you know, as a kid, I didn't really want to go to church all, all the time. And so we would get dressed and so forth. And one time he said, I told my grandmother or mother, whoever, whichever one I don't remember, that I couldn't find one of my shoes. And he said, well, go back up there and try to find your shoe. 
go back up there and get that shoe and get them because we're going to church. And he came back and he said, I can't find that, my shoe. I can't, and went back again and came back. And she said, because you don't come back with that shoe this time, you're going to church without that shoe. Okay? But we're going to church. We're going to church. See, that man grew up. And although he drifted from the Lord, as he came back and he was serving Jesus, because why? I believe because his grandmother was praying for him. Timothy had that. He had a rough go of it. He was rejected. We get out into the world, you know, and the, the world will chew you up and spit you out. And if we don't have Jesus in our hearts, then obviously we're going to may go down the drain. But when you have faith, and some, I've, I, I was worked with a social worker and she, her mother did not raise her knowing Jesus, but God in His blessed sovereignty touched her. And uh, she came to Jesus and we would visit people uh, in hospice and, and all had a real close in relationship with her because she obviously knew Jesus and she could minister and she knew when to obviously say, hey, Jim, you want to talk to Jim or whatever. But she did not obviously have an upbringing in the church. But God, by His wonderful, somebody praying for her. And in our lives, the reason we came to church is somebody praying for you. And you know what? You're thinking, well, how hard did they pray? Doesn't make a difference. It means that you need to pray and persist and be consistent and, and persistent in your prayers and just say, Lord, I'm not backing down. I want my child to come into the kingdom of God and I want to obviously impart faith to their hearts. They're adults right now. And Lord, get a hold of them because you're the one that can get a hold of them even at a later age in life. No matter what time of life, never too late. That man obviously was older in his life and it didn't look like anything was happening because he had wandered away from the Lord. But he talked to me. He had a testimony. I want to tell you, just blow you away. Very important in how we live our life persistently and knowing that God is faithful. Do we do it always right? No, we don't. What we, we don't give up, right? The old expression is, you don't give up, God will show up. You keep on. Because most of the Christian life is a life of perseverance. A life of continuing on. Even when you don't see anything happening. See, you know, we always see, you know, we're in a microwave society. You pop it in, pop it out. Everything's automatic right now, right? Got drive throughs got all this stuff. So we don't like to wait. We don't like to necessarily not see an answer right away. And yet, when we're praying, God hears our prayers. And we know, obviously, He's going he's gonna to do something at the right time in the right way. He's just real faithful like that. Amen. Aren't you glad of that? My parents did. I wandered away from the Lord, raised in the church, wandered away and all that. But I know my mom and my daddy both prayed for me, my mother certainly, and all. And sometimes God got a hold of me, convicted my heart that I need to repent and come back to Jesus today. And the question today is for all of you and those who are watching this, do you need to come back to the Lord? I believe that today God is drawing people back today to repent and say, I want to renew my relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to give my heart and rededicate. I just want to come back to the Lord. I've drifted away. Or maybe you, you come today and say, I've really never given my life to Jesus. I've never really asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and save me that you're born again. That I would know that I know that when I take my last breath that I'm going to heaven. Maybe it's somebody here today. If it is, 
Today is the day you need to get it right. Amen. If the Holy Spirit has tugged on your heartstrings and knocked on the door of your heart and said, hey, make this decision now. Don't put him off. Don't put him off. You see, we can walk away and that that knocking on our heart's door can become so faint that we don't hear it anymore. And we wandered away too far. He's let us go. He's very faithful. But don't wait. Respond to the Lord. And if there's somebody here, somebody watching here on the live streaming and you feel like, hey, I've just wandered away from the Lord. And I don't really have the relationship like I used to. Things got in the way. Maybe sin got in, certainly. You can go to the Lord. He, he said, uh, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You see, that coming back, that returning, God is looking for. And I believe a lot of people are coming back. I believe that a lot of people. Today, if somebody here in this church, if somebody watching this, today would be the day that you make a decision to say, I want to come back to the Lord. I want, I want that freshness in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I've sort of like, I've drifted away and I don't have that intimacy. I've left my first love and I want to come back. Today would be the day. Make that decision. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to say on Mother's Day I did that? On Mother's Day that I actually made that decision? You see, today would be the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait if God's knocking on your heart's door. Only as the Holy Spirit leads He leads us and He will convict us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this day and thank You for the privilege of coming together, sharing Your Word, sharing our hearts together. Because Lord, we know Your Bible, the Word of God says that Your your Word is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces to the very conscience. Thank You, Father, today for Your Word. We pray your word would penetrate our hearts and your word would just come alive in our hearts, Lord. And those dry bones would come alive. I hear the rattling, Lord. And you're speaking. We speak to those dry bones. We prophesy to those dry bones. Dry bones in the church that the church would come back alive and be uh, just a, a witness like what you've planned. And you always have intended that we would return to our first love. And that we would again have that intimacy with Jesus Christ like you desire, Lord. That's our prayer today. If there be anyone watching this or anybody in this congregation that has never really asked Jesus to come in your life, I'll be waiting up here after the service that you can come and talk to me. And we can pray together and you can invite and make that right. And get that right as God is convicting your heart. Anybody, anybody in this viewing audience. Today would be the day. Just receive Jesus. Open your heart. Confess to Him that you're a sinner. And that you're in need of His forgiveness. That you believe He is the Savior of the world. And you want Him to be your personal Savior. Come into my heart and save me. You know, God will take you right where you are. And give you that life. That life that only He can give. Thank you, Father. If you need to come back to the Lord. And you need to come back, whether it's called rededication or what. You just want to come back. Lord, I just want to give my heart. I, want, I just want to give my heart to you fully. Today would be the day. You can open your heart to him right now and say, Lord, I ask you to come in. Revive me. I'm, I'm dull. And I know I need you. I want that intimate relationship that, that we've been talking about here. And I want to know you because I want to walk with you every day. Because, Lord, you all the mess that I've gotten into in the world 
It's not bringing any life. In fact, it's bringing death. And I want to renew that relationship today. If that's you, you can do it right now. Father, thank you today that the invitation has been extended. And Father, you are up to great and mighty and wonderful things. And we bless you, Lord. We bless you in the name of Jesus. And I ask today that, Father, decisions that have been made, that you would seal upon their hearts. And Father, that people get right and get right with you and get right with others if it needs to be reconciliation, whatever it may be. And Father, today, we confess that we need you desperately and we need you to wake us up. Wake us up, Lord. Do that which only you can do. Even the impossible is possible with God. Father, we thank you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you all for viewing today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. We thank you for viewing us. We pray that you would uh, obviously join us next week. Be a part. Thank you. We love you. We pray for you. Amen.